Welcome to Network, a production of Evangelism Ministries of the Georgia Baptist Convention. Today, Joel Sutherland and the GBC Evangelism team continue their interview with Melanie Smolin of Faith Perceptions about the total Sunday morning experience. Here's part three of the interview on Network. Okay, and so then through that, we can glean common threads like, hey, you know, the messages that you're teaching are maybe at a, at a level that aren't, aren't um, um, you know, aren't baby food, aren't seeker enough friendly, or you're not communicating it in a way that they can understand. Um, maybe it's way over their head, or you're doing a sermon series, and, it, and it's great, but they've come in the middle, and you're not doing enough to communicate, hey, here's what we've been talking about, and here's what today is about. So pre- and, and post sort of information that helps somebody understand what the teaching is about. Wow, and you talk about in this with these guys, uh, video and props they use and those kind of things. Uh, is any of that, two questions, is any of that necessary, and do you see some churches who overdo it with videos, props, and, the, and you know too much imagery on the PowerPoint and that kind of thing? Well, for one, I, I, you know, I think it is necessary to have visual aids, things that aid to to what the um, the the person is teaching on, the pastor or the preacher or the the, the layperson, whatever they're teaching on. It's very important for them to to offer those different things. I mean, we live in a digital age, you know, do we not? If you go into any classroom today, um, there's more interaction that teachers are using to teach than they were ever using probably when, you know, when, when, I, was, when I was younger. I mean, they have smart boards nowadays. Kids have laptops. You know, there's videos. There's, there's, uh, there's special music, things like that, that they're using to sort of communicate and get kids interacting with what's being taught. Well, the same is true for, for the generation that we've raised up. So when, when they are stimulated in that way and they're learning in that way, but then they arrive on Sunday morning, and, and there's nothing wrong with just a message. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with just presenting a message. But it helps and it supports, much like marketing as a tool helps and supports community awareness, visual aids support and communicate you know, the effectiveness of, of a message. Good. They drive home what's being taught. And they aid in it. They're not the they're not the teaching themselves. They're just an aid in it. Wow. Okay. Uh, go ahead, Randy. No, I wanted to answer too. To, can okay. it be too much? A- absolutely. Now we've seen that we've seen that too out of of Mr. Guest. They feel like they're going to a concert or a performance wow. or a show, or they feel like um, um, we see we see frequently too where there's not enough scripture. There's not enough actual teaching, and they're and, and, and pastors are reliant more on the aids that they're using rather than, than the core of the teaching itself. So we do see the other extreme. There definitely is a balance that needs to happen in there. And we really recommend worship planning teams in that. So if a church is preparing a sermon series, a uh, pastor's preparing a sermon series, he's consulting, you know, his worship leader and talking with him about the music that will be played. He's talking with maybe his graphic designer and talking about the different graphics that they'll use in slides for his PowerPoint. He's talking to his video guy and saying, you know, what, what videos have you seen out there, you know, that might complement what it is that I'm teaching on in this story in the Bible. And then they look at that overall process and go, how much is too much, how much is too little, and sort of evaluate that. Wow. Wow. That's good. And I like the idea of a worship planning team that helps you pull all that together it puts it in perspective of different learning styles uh because some are very visual some are you know so that's just great that that is great um you you also talk about when we when we ask a volunteer at the church i'm at to do um for uh, head up a first impressions ministry 
uh, one of the things that she quickly said was she told her team, look, it's not over until they have left the property, basically, is what she was telling the First Impression team. And you talk about in your mystery guest post-service atmosphere. And I think a yes. lot of churches don't even think that. They think, okay, when he says amen, let's all get out of here. Right. Well, and honestly, it's clear from the, you know, the, the responses we get back that, that that's very true. <laughs> I mean, they really are doing that. Uh, typical response after the service is people get up, they either go to who they know or they go out the door. They're either getting to a Bible study, lunch, uh, picking their kids up from children's ministry. But absolutely. And, and we compare it to this. I mean, it's kind of like you, um, churches put a lot of emphasis on the front end of greeting people, you know, welcoming them, having a welcome center, inviting them, you know, to ask questions if we want. But they don't give a lot of thought to, to the back end, to what happens after the service. And so imagine yourself, you know, if you, if you attend a service and you're greeted and you're welcomed and you're, um, you know, people, um, you know, uh, uh, introduce themselves and interact with you and you take your kids to the children's ministry and, and they, they have a great experience and, you, and the message you heard was great and the music you heard was great and you're brought all the way up to this level of just, gosh, you know, I really, really felt connected today. And then the service ends and people scatter. <laughs> <laughs> they scatter again to where they're going into into who they know. And we compare it to it's kind of like, you know, being asked out on a date and then dropped off at the door without a kiss goodbye or at being asked for a second date. Wow. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. And you wonder, is it something I said? Is it something I did? Mm. Wow. <laughs> okay. There's so many things we can say about that, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, both attending church and everything else. The one of the things that I was interested in, do you have any data that, that talks about, uh, as far as the post-service atmosphere, uh, maybe a welcome room or a reception room uh, that guests are invited to attend or usher to or are encouraged just to meet the pastor and, and, and maybe some of the staff after the service? Well, it's seen as favorable when that occurs. Again, the downside is that um, it's not communicated well, or, or, or maybe a, a church has that opportunity, um, but they don't uh, they don't follow through with it. So they say, "Hey, here's a venue for you to go to," um, and then and then they themselves aren't there ready to meet and, and, and greet new people in the church, um, or um, they say, "Yeah, we want to meet with you in the library after uh, afterwards and welcome you and just get to know you." Um, but there's no signs to the library, and there's mm. no way to know how to get to the library. So. That's that's the danger of having a, a separate room. I mean, honestly, the ideal situation is 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 to have have both a, a place where if somebody wants to have a venue to to meet and greet, um, that's great. But also to have a culture of people that when they get up, they they look as hospitality as 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 the person as you said that that it's not over until they leave. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's really not over because there's follow up after that, you know, w- with people. But um, you know, it's 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 not over just because the service ended. So having that that mindset that that there are people new in my midst, and I'd like to take an opportunity to just just you know thank them for coming and just ask if they have any questions or um, you know would they like to like to join us for this or or have lunch with us or um, participate in a in a Sunday school. That's good. That's good. Um, I'm sorry. Rod, edit this out. I went. I had brain freeze right there, so make a time time note. Uh, I, I I choked. Randy, you want to move on to number eleven at this point? Transition to there. 
be glad to. All right, connect resources. And I know that we're talking about things that we can put into uh, the hands of our guests. Uh, and, and also, uh, today in, in our culture, the Internet, going to a church website, is a primary place where a lot of people find out information about the church. Talk to us about what you're learning about the importance of and the effectiveness of uh, Connect Resources. Well, um, you know, the website, I mean, and you hit on it, a lot of people are, are going to the website. I mean, it's it's really the front door to the church in a lot of ways, um, especially if, if, a, if a church's community, you know, if, if they're targeting a younger population. I mean, they will check you out on your website to really kind of get an idea of what your church is like. So Connect Resources, yes. I mean, there are things like the website, you know, bulletins, uh, brochures, um, you know, signage, we're, you know, signage, uh, um, you know, anything that helps a person new to your church get more connected would, would fall under, under this category. So guests are, rate, are, are looking at, you know, how attractive it is, how available it is, how thorough it is, um, you know, uh, um, how well it's communicated. They're looking at all of those things. Okay. It sounds to me like it's important to have um, at least one person, if not a team, uh, focus on all of these issues, because if you leave it to everybody, then sometimes nobody gets it done. But if you have a person or a team that regularly reviews the resources or the, the, the contact resources, the, the brochures, or the website, that would be helpful to keep it up to date. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than having a website and not updating it. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many church websites do that and uh, how ineffective their, their websites are um, for learning more about the church. I think having somebody on the team is great to do that, but also passing and filtering through everything that you do through your first impressions team, how it's mm-hmm. communicated to somebody new in the church, as well as somebody who, who attends frequently. Well, that's good. A couple, couple things I'll throw out real quick because this is my opportunity to always uh, get my pet peeve out there. Uh, you know, no Facebook page and no email follow-up. I'm big on, you know, one of the best connect resources we have right now is a Facebook page that people can like and that they can stay connected mm-hmm. with you after they leave the church. And also if there's a way for them to, uh, you know, give you their email address so that you can put them in a database for a newsletter that they can easily unsubscribe from later if they want. Uh, but those are good, two very good ways to, to connect. And uh, I would... Uh, you know, this I know those there are some that would debate with me, but I would almost recommend getting people to like your Facebook page if they're on Facebook, even over and opposed uh, to the website, which is typically mm-hmm. out of sight, out of mind. Of course, your website needs to highlight your Facebook connection as well. But just a little two cents there, because uh, it is it's about having resources that actually connect and digitally we can remain connected after the visit now better than ever. Oh, that's good. Melly, I'm going to skip a couple of these and I'm going to ask you about one more category and let our listeners, you know, do some investigation on their own, but children's ministries. What 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 factors get children's ministry rated high? Communication is one. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that we know is that parents are often anxious, um, you know, about coming to church and bringing their children and leaving them with people they don't know. Some of, the, some of the things that we see that help mitigate that anxiousness are strong communication in a church. So if a church has strong signage, 
their website addresses, you know, children's ministry, not just an overall philosophy, but like safety, security, check-in process, um, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of uh, background checks your volunteers go through, um, mm. you know, what your kids, you know, can expect when they come there, what parents can expect. You know, some of the, some of the, the stories that, that we see are that a lot of times, again, and we're, we see a lot of internal speak going on here or just internal, this is how we've always done it. You know, kids will come to church with their parents, and there'll be a, a new parent will come, and there'll be no signage, so they'll just come and sit down with their kids, you know, um, and being new to the church. Then the pastor might call, um, you know, kids up for a teaching time or, or, or a moment, you know, of, of learning, and then the kids will maybe disband and go to another room to have worship or, or a children's church of their own. If you're a new parent, there's, no, there's little to no communication going on about that. So mm-hmm. a new parent comes in, they sit down with their kids, their kids go up and participate in the teaching time, and then they go out the side door with somebody a parent doesn't know. They don't know where they've gone because all the other kids just kind of ran that way. Um, they don't know who they're with, and they don't know how to get them back. So oh. communication is key. And this is a, a long, children's moments or children's time in the church is a long, long-standing tradition in the church. Lots of churches still do that, and, and I'm not speaking for or against that, but I am speaking for effective communication where where um, where uh, children are involved. You know, communicating where kids are going, and who they're going to be going with, and how you pick them up. Well, uh, look. It's obvious a mother did not come up with that plan that you just mentioned because no mom is going to go into a new environment, watch her kid go out the side door with strangers. I mean, I've got a great idea. Let's take <laughs> kids that have never been here, hook them up with strangers, send them where they can't be found. Yeah, it's a great. That, one. So a da- so a, like even what do you suggest? Like a data sheet that they get as soon as they check their kids in. I mean, what kind of communication is good for the parent to have? On that first visit, well, the web communicate. I mean, pre-information like the website again, okay. detailing oh, how good. it works. That's you know, good. that's very important. Um, you can have an excerpt, you can have an insert, or you can have just a just a little paragraph in the bulletin, kind of talking about that. After children's time, the 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 pastor or whoever was the children's pastor or whoever was the teaching could could stand up and say, hey, you know, this is a time that any any parents who want their kids to go to children's church can do so. Um, and and here's where they'll be going, and here's where you can meet them afterwards. Or or children are welcome to stay in the service with their parents if they, if wow. their parents don't want them to go. Wow. So. Um, and if there's anybody new that would like to go with their kids and meet and meet the people that are, are are in charge of these ministries, you know, please feel free to do so. So you know, just just welcoming that opportunity, and so that parents don't feel uncomfortable to to investigate that. Um, other ways is um, that I think um, a lot of times churches don't really consider are you know greeters identifying kids and and parents and in new families coming into the church and connecting them right away with somebody you know on the first impressions team who will lead new parents and and take them to the children's ministry and show them what they offer and and answer questions for them you know if they're you know approaching them and saying hey I, you know we're so glad you're here and you know we have something for 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 children today if if you'd like your kids to go or you'd at least like to take a look at it let me show you and then and then giving them that opportunity to learn more Oh, that's that's great, that's great, Melly. As we kind of wrap up, let me ask you this question. I know you've done this with hundreds of churches, um, and I know you serve as kind of a consultant, so you're very much gathering the data and giving the data to them. But do you follow up with these churches six months later, a year later, to find out what they implemented and how successful some of the changes were? 
depending on the level of service, you know, sometimes churches just want to use us for the information. So they want the information. They've got their own consultants that they're working with to implement. Sometimes consultants hire us and they say, hey, we're working with, you know, our denomination is looking at first impressions and we want to hire you to do, um, you know, send mystery guests into all of our churches and wow. provide us with this feedback and then our consultants are going to work on, on you know, making changes. And so, yes, they do provide us with, with feedback about um, how those experiences or how that data has helped them. Good. Good. That's good. And sometimes churches just hire us. You know, after they've got the data, they hire us to come in and help them create that more welcoming and inviting experience. So, it, you know, it really just depends. You know, the information, we don't track it intentionally. You know, so if churches we're working with, we get that information. Churches, um, you know, that we may just provide data for, but we don't work with later on down the road, that's not really something we've intentionally tracked at this point. Wow. Well, that's good. I, I, but there's no way if a church implements the things we've talked about today when they discover that about their church that it doesn't benefit the church. So what what a great program. So Melanie, tell us again how we churches can connect with you to start talking about this mystery guest program. Sure. They can go to our website, um, again, www.faithperceptions.com. Just, um, they can visit it, kind of explore and see what it is we do. We've got information for church leaders. We've got information for people interested in being mystery guests. Um, so they can go there and they can explore the different services that we offer and learn about our program. Uh, we've got contact information on there so people can call us um, or they can email um, email me directly um, and set up a time to just talk and, and ask questions. Oh, that's great. Melanie, thank you for joining us today. This has been an awesome interview with tons of insight for our churches that's going to bless a lot of churches and a lot of people in the process. Yeah, before we go, Melanie, I'm just curious, uh, do you publish any kind of an annual findings report or something that someone could download or access uh, just to glean some of the information that you've put together from dif- different churches all over the country? We do. We, we publish two different reports. Um, and when, I, when I talk to you about our mystery guests completing online surveys, I talk to you about the fact that they, they complete the complete the survey and they rate things numerically and then qualitatively they write about it so we we publish two reports one that aggregates uh, the numerical data and kind of benchmarks you know the things that we've learned since we began um, and it and it carves it out and divides it into by church size so if it's a church from zero to 80 and they want to look at how churches of like size are um, doing in in each of these different categories um, you know they can look at that um, and we also publish an annual findings report, which details what we've gleaned from the qualitative data. So, if people want to understand, you know, why did churches rate this, and why did why did we learn, why did we find this out, and how do we get better at this? Our annual findings report can help them compare and contrast things like how did people favor Sunday morning services versus Saturday morning? Um, how did they favor, you know, traditional versus contemporary or blended in times of services and things like that. Good stuff. So they can buy the report and kind of do a self-analysis a little bit uh, on some of these issues. Yes, they can. They can download um, either report. The the uh, index with the numerical data um, is something that's complimentary that we that we offer to people. But the annual findings report. There's a lot lot of information that goes into that report. It's very detailed and um, provides a lot of excellent data for church leaders if they're wanting to learn more about their Sunday morning experience. So that, that, that report, um, there, is a, there is a fee for that. Great. Well, I encourage our churches to go to faithperceptions.com, check that out, connect with them, and find out how they can help 
uh, your church. Melanie, thank you for joining us today on Network. Thank you so much for having me. Until next time, thank you for listening to Network. You've been listening to Network, a program dedicated to challenging believers to cast the net of the gospel. Network is a production of the Evangelism Ministries of the Georgia Baptist Convention.